Hello, and welcome to the podcast. My name is Joel Hart, and I am joined today with my co-host, Justin Peterson, and a very special guest and friend, David Puentes. Uh, Very excited for you to hear today's episode as we continue the conversation about living and walking in the Spirit. This podcast is created for and by individuals who have a hunger and a desire to go deeper into a relationship with God and be used in ministry by Him. So if that sounds like you, then continue listening today, and I hope that you are blessed. You're listening to The Flow Podcast. To jump in uh, right away here, uh, here with a good friend of mine and um, fellow former classmate of me and Justin's uh, brother, Reverend David Puentes, <laughs> hailing from uh, Stockton, California now, the son of Jenner Puentes, the son of I'm just kidding, that's as, that's as far back as I know. <laughs> <laughs> me too, me too. Yeah, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, but uh, super glad to have have uh, have you here, David. Good, really good friend of mine. Um, not necessarily by choice, but <laughs> the Lord saw fit. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> the Lord saw fit and uh, placed us together, and uh, we were subjected to live together for for a year in college. And yeah. so it's either be friends or. <laughs> kill each other. I'm just kidding. I'm, I wouldn't have had it any other way. So thankful for, uh, for the friendship and that we can all come, come together and do this. Um, so just give you an opportunity, David, if you want to, uh, just briefly introduce yourself and kind of who you are. Definitely. Um, well, my name is, uh, like you said, my name is David Puentes. Uh, I am originally from New York. I was born in Brooklyn. Uh, my father actually pastors a church out there. It's a it's a Spanish church, um, and um, and so I was born and raised there. Uh, I came to California about uh, five and a half years ago to uh, study at Bible College, uh, and that's where I met these wonderful folks, Justin Peterson and Joel Hart. And um, you know, me and Joel really didn't talk to each other at all for probably the first two and a half years or so. Um, but, um, the Lord really just knew exactly what needed to happen. And, um, you know, we were roommates for a year and, uh, I believe it was such a impactful experience. Um, it honestly, um, that kind of relationship really did, uh, kind of leave an impression in my heart. And, uh, I learned a lot from Joel. I learned a lot from a lot of other students there. And so uh, I'm so grateful for that opportunity to be in Bible college. I am married by the grace and mercy of God. Uh, I found my wife here in Bible college. Um, it's crazy because I have, I guess, a unique story when it comes to that. Um, you know, a lot of people, especially in Bible college, get words from God 
about who they're going to marry, you know, <laughs> and uh, the Lord speaks to them about, oh, you're going to marry this person. And they go up to that person and say, the Lord spoke to me that right. we're going to get married. Um, but that actually happened to me. So, you know, that that was actually a genuine experience. Uh, obviously, I didn't tell her that, you know, uh, I allowed God to form the relationship together. And, uh, you know, uh, it was it was just incredible how my steps were being ordered by God as I was being led of the Holy Ghost. And um, I am in a beautiful marriage today by uh, by his grace and his love. And I am in Stockton, California. I am part of Christian Life Center, and I've been a part of this church for about uh, two years now since I graduated Bible college. Um, awesome. So that's a quick, quick inter introduction there. Yeah. Yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So you kind of touched on a bunch of different things that that I want to uh, sort of expound on and, and get into our our topic today. So, um, as you mentioned, you you came, you were uh, from New York and your dad pastors there and, uh, a, a Spanish church. And I think it's, I think it's, uh, interesting and cool to note that, uh, you, you grew up in a, a, a different oneness organization than, than the UPCI, uh, that we're kind of more a part of now. Um, so I wanted to, I wanted to kind of talk about that and cause what I want to get into sort of a foreshadowing of further on in the episode, but what I want to get into is, you know, how this recent year has changed your uh, your view and uh, even method of, of ministry. But sort of looking back in your earlier years, you know, when you were growing up in, in New York and different organization, a whole different culture, um, how was your how was your idea of of what ministry looked like? Um, how was that kind of formed for you as a as a young man before you came to Bible college. And uh, I, I guess like, what did it, what did it look like for you before you came to Bible college and things kind of all, all changed? Definitely. Uh, well, you know, I grew up as a street preacher. So all right. uh, I have, I have this story where um, my dad, I think he did it for a couple months. Um, he would just take me and a couple other guys from the church we were maybe 11 or 12 and he'd grab us and we'd go on this uh, Dodge Caravan uh, town and country 2004, you know, minivan. And, and he'd grab like us and a couple other kids from the church and uh, there'd be a stack of tracks, a bullhorn, and he'd drive us to a New York city corner and, uh, and he'd drop us off and he said, all right, boys, it's time to preach. And he said, um, what, some of you hand out tracks, one on the bullhorn, and then you guys alternate. And he said, I'll be back in two hours. And he got in the car wow. and he left. <laughs> and we were there and we were just, and that's how I, honestly, that's how I learned how to preach. You know, I just started preaching in the street corner, started handing out tracks, uh, started talking to people. And, you know, you're, you're, it's a remarkable scene for you to be able to you know, as you're going about your day, seeing a 12 year old, 11 year old with a with a bullhorn, just speaking all these stuff in Spanish, you know, what I mean, and just, yeah. you know, just talking and everything. And then my dad come back two hours later with McDonald's or something and say, hey, you know, uh, we got we got something here for you. And then it was every Saturday we would do that. And uh, I grew up preaching that way. That was my style of preaching. Um, you know, you develop a sermon 
um, you know, you kind of just uh, go by the book, by the structure. Um, though I am grateful for the way that I grew up in that way and uh, mm. by the formation of my father in that way. But there was this level of, I would want to say, noise or sound that would need mm. to come out. Uh, and that would level a, a, a sense of authority or a sense of, you know, just um, excitement or emotionalism. And um, and that, that was the issue was that I had connected the sound and the noise to authority, to effectiveness, to, you know, different things like that, especially preaching in a in a in a city, you know, preaching in a in a corner. You're not going to get a lot of response. You know, you're not going to get people amening you. You're not going to you're going to get a lot of people just looking at you and stuff. So I would drain out the awkwardness with noise, with hmm. sound, you know with this sort of um how can i say this boldness i'd get louder when people got quieter you know yeah. because it was the sound of like awkwardness you know the sound of like well people aren't listening if they're not responding people mm -hmm. aren't they think i'm this or they think i'm that so though i i'm grateful for the way that i was raised up um but i believe in hispanic culture specifically i believe hispanics are just a little louder I, I don't know about you, but I, I believe Hispanics are just a little louder. They're a little bit more emotional. If you understand the, the, the Spanish language, it's much more emotional than, mm. uh, than the English, English language. Um, you read the Bible in Spanish and it's like, wow, like this is very emotional, especially Psalms. Like you really get an understanding of what David was talking about in that exact moment. And so just just Hispanics, you know, the Spanish culture is just a lot more hype, a lot more, you know, sound, a lot, a lot noisier and a lot more emotional. So I kind of intertwined that with my preaching and my ministering. And I kind of, you know, molded both, both of them together. And I said, well, you know, this is going to be the effectiveness of my ministry is by my sound, by my voice by the the noise that's being produced and this is going to match the level of authority um so quickly in bible college and even towards after bible college obviously through the ministry of brother sanders coming and doing a year revival in our church uh my perspective idea changed you know my en entire mold and structure of preaching began to change and i became less of a preacher more of a minister of the gospel and um, I began to start ministering in, in such a flow of the Holy Ghost um, where the authority wasn't coming from my voice and my uh, level of noise, but the authority was now coming from the flow of the Holy Ghost that was leaving out of my mouth. And I could feel that flow even just talking to you right now. I'm not lifting my voice. I'm not raising my voice. There's not a meter that tells me how loud I'm getting, but you could just feel the flow of the Holy Ghost even with such conversation. Uh, and so I had to kind of understand that because in the Hispanic culture, voice means power. Sound means power. You know, uh, how loud you get means how powerful you are. That's why some of these, you know, Spanish preachers, man, they just have the vocals. My man, they have the vocals, man. And they can scream and shout and do all this kind of stuff. But I, I've come to the conclusion I was burning myself out every time I preached because I had that mentality. And I'd get myself frustrated because people weren't getting with me. I'd get myself frustrated. And so what would happen is I would 
necessarily try to push the buttons and try to force the people. Hey, you need to praise God. Hey, you need to respond to the word. Hey, you need to do all this kind of stuff. And I believe there's room for that, but I, I would just lean on so much on the response of the people that voice and noise now replaced my consecration, my surrender, uh, my submission to the Holy Ghost, where if I would only submit to the Holy Ghost and use that much effort that I would use to scream and shout, use it to get in a place of consecration and submission to the Holy Ghost, I'd flow and I wouldn't need to shout or scream or force anybody to do anything. The flow doesn't force anybody to do anything. You feel it and you yeah. yield to it and it just happens. And so um, my ministry has definitely changed or the way the Lord uses me now has definitely changed. Uh, I'm not saying I don't, I don't stop screaming, <laughs> you know, sure. I don't say I get a little passionate, you know what I mean? I don't say I get a little, pa but there's moments in time where, you know, deep revelations get, you know, just, they get lost in the shout, you know, they get lost in, in, in fundamental things, you know what I mean? Uh, structural teachings, they get lost in the shout. And people are being emotional just because the preacher's being emotional, but yet they lost the point, they lost the thought, and there's nothing being structured or rooted in, the, in their mind. And so um, that was big for me when I had to kind of, you know, take a step back and say, hey, I'm not leaning on my on my skill set. I'm not leaning on my linguistics. I'm not leaning on my, um, you know, uh, the way that I lecture. I'm not, I'm not leaning on that. I'm leaning on the Holy Ghost. And I it's crazy because... I know I'm I know I'm kind of talking a little bit, but um, I don't want to take over this entire interview. But I, I just I just want to kind of say I was uh, I was preaching one time for this church a couple of weeks ago, and the Lord just literally told me this. He said as I was getting ready to preach, He said, "Just grab a chair and put it by the altar and just sit down and talk to them." And if I would have done that in my Hispanic culture, people would have looked at me like you're nuts, like you're you're crazy. Right. And yet I grabbed the chair in the middle of everyone. I grabbed the chair and I put it right in front of the pulpit. And I sat down and I just talked to them. And I just started flowing in the Holy Ghost. And all of a sudden the Holy Ghost just started flowing, 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 flowing. But if I would have gotten to that structure, that mold, I got to step behind the pulpit. I got to do what I got to do. I got to say these right things. I got to have this sort of tone of voice. I got to have this level of, of noise and stuff. You know, I, I would have necessarily quenched the, the flow of the Holy Ghost to the point where God needed to speak some things into their hearts and minds that they can actually comprehend, mm -hmm. that they can actually receive, you know. And so that was kind of a different change in my ministry uh, was instead of getting louder, get deeper. Yeah. You know, that's that was that I, I said all that to sum it up in this instead of getting louder, get deeper. And so. Um, that's how, that's how my ministry has, has, uh, has changed. That's good. You said a few things that were really fascinating to me. One, <clears throat> you probably heard me quietly amening with my hmms <laughs> to many of the things that you said. <laughs> one of the, one of the bombshells that I really felt like you brought out was the revelation and the things that you're actually communicating can get lost in the shout, can get yep. lost in the volume. Yeah. Um, it gets people hype. It gets the emotions working um, because it's that's a tactic that people use in show business, right? To raise your voice yeah. and things of that nature. Um, and so that is effective in its own right. And like you said, there's nothing wrong with that in its place. Um, 
but if we're just constantly doing that, a lot of the times uh, the different things that God is wanting to communicate can get lost in that. So I thought that was really powerful. You also yeah. said a lot about structure um, and instead of getting louder, get deeper. So I had a question concerning structure and sort of preparation. Um, a lot of the time when we start getting deeper into this concept of the flow and leaving room for the flow, um, if we over prepare and we focus too much on what we have prepared, um, it's difficult to leave room for that flow um, because our mind is occupied with basically releasing what we have prepared. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of people will go to the next extreme and say, well, I just won't prepare. Um, <clears throat> and as the Lord was dealing with me during my time in Bible college about the flow, that was the extreme that I went to and yeah. God still used me in things, but we want to, of course, be all that we can be and be as effective as possible in the calling that God has for us. And so the question arises is absolutely no preparation at all. The ideal every time. Or is there a way that we prepare for a message, whether that be preparing simply through consecration in prayer um, or whether that be um, I'm about to deliver this message and I ought to prepare specifically for this message? And to what extent do we do that? And so I wanted to ask you for your ministry, what's sort of the I don't I don't know if balance is the right word, but I guess that's the word that comes to mind. What was the balance in that regard that you found or maybe the uh, harmony that you found between those two concepts? Well, the Bible specifically states um, you need to be, you need to preach the word in season and out of season. So for me is um, not for me to develop. Uh, the, the, and this, it all comes down to this. It all comes down to, I need to be prepared whether there's a service that I'm preaching at on Sunday or not, you know, yeah. I, and, and that's what considers the flow. A lot of the things, and this is what I, I came to the realization was, uh, in Bible college, I was stepping in the spirit, but I wasn't necessarily walking in the spirit. You know what I mean? So I was stepping into the spirit when it was time to minister. And that's why a lot of people, I don't understand this concept, but a lot of people say, well, you're most carnal after you preach. You know what I mean? Like your flesh is more alive once you preach or the preacher sins on Monday. Well, if you're walking in the spirit, you know what I mean? If you're stepping in the spirit, you're one step in the spirit and you're one step from getting out of the spirit. So that's my mentality is that if, if you're stepping in the spirit, whenever you're, you're ministering, great. You're in the spirit for that exact moment in time and you've been anointed for that exact moment. But you're not walking in relationship and commitment with God that after that, that anointing is not being used in that area or in that effect, you know, it, you're, you're, you're right back to the flesh. And so I've come to the realization it's a walk and it's not just me stepping in the spirit when a moments or opportunities arise and I need to step in the spirit in that exact moment in order to be able to minister in the Holy Ghost. I came to the conclusion where, you know, I'd wake up for 5 a.m. prayer the day I'd have to preach in order to get in the spirit, get in the flow, you know, and, and step in the spirit. And it was after I would preach that I would be in one of the greatest messes of my life. I'd make great mistakes you know i thoughts start hitting my mind things start happening in my spirit and so I, I came to the realization i said this is a walk this is a walk which means it's a gathering of steps i don't know if you realize when you walk you're gathering steps and moving towards a certain location so what you did prior to 
ministering that Sunday morning to step into the spirit, you should be doing every single day of your life. And that's called a walk. That's called walking in the spirit. That's called, you know, being led of the spirit. And so I've came to the conclusion, you know, I, for me, I'm an evangelist and I haven't preached in the past two, three weeks. And that doesn't mean my prayer life goes out the window and I say, Hey, you know, uh, it's time to, you know, kind of sit back, relax. But I believe it's even in the, in the seasons or in the weeks that I'm not preaching and that it's just me and the Lord, I even get more connected. I even get more like synchronized with God. I get aligned with the Holy ghost. I get even more sensitive with the spirit of, of, of the Lord. And so I, I've came to the conclusion, it's not just stepping into the Holy ghost whenever it's time for me to be able to be used of the Holy ghost and God will use you, of course, not because of you, but because of those that are hearing you and those that need the word from God and those that his people. And so I, I came to the conclusion, it, it's, it has to be a walk. You know, I, I want to get in this real quick, and I know this is kind of shifting to a specific location, but I really felt kind of to uh, talk about having a walk with God and how it's very important to have a walk with God. Um, you know, prior to these specific things, the people of Israel, uh, when it was time for them to overcome Jericho, uh, the Bible states that um, God gives Joshua some instruct instructions and says, you, you must gather the men of war. You must gather the priest. You must gather the Ark of the Covenant. And you must walk around Jericho once for seventh day, for six days. And on the seventh day, you shall do it seven times. And so you got to understand something. These were men of war that had uh, had their armor. They were prepared. They were ready to war. You had the priests that had the trumpets. You had the worship and you had the warfare. But yet those things were not used to overcome the people of Jericho for the first six days until they walked in obedience with God. And on the seventh day, both were combined to bring forth victory. So in other words, young people can expect to come to one service, worship and warfare without a walk with God previously and expect all their walls to come down. That's good. This generation wants preachers True. and singers to do for them what a walk with God was designed to do for their lives. And so it, it comes down to this, man. You're, you're, you're there with your armor. You're there with the trumpets. You're there with the Ark of the Covenant. And all you're doing is walking. My God, all you're doing is just walking in obedience with God. And you don't see a block of that wall come off on the first day. You don't see any results on the second day. You don't see anything happen on the third day, but you're walking in obedience. We can't expect to come to a service. And I, I had to tell this to a youth group that I was talking to. I was like, you're coming here and you're expecting me to produce uh, uh, this sort of atmosphere where you wore in the spirit and all these walls come down and all these things happen and you worship and and you praise god and and you're dancing and shouting before the lord and you expect every wall to come down because you're warring and you're worshiping but you're not walking you're warring against spirits you're warring against all this kind of stuff you're worshiping god you're exuberant uh exuberating so much energy and so much strength but yet there's no walk with god prior to coming to that service worship and warfare do are are ineffective without without a walk with God previously.
You can worship God all you want. And I told him, I said, this is what I see in the spirit. I see you with your armor. And I see you, I see you with your sword. And I see you with your trumpet. And you're trying to bang that wall with your trumpet, bang that wall with your sword, and it's not going to come down. And every service you come, you come back to the same thing. You come back to the sword. You come back to your shield. You come back to, to your trumpet trying to bang walls that are keeping you in carnality, keeping you in sin, keeping you enslaved, and it's not working. And the reason is because before Israel got to the seventh day where the shout worked and the warfare worked and everything was effective, they walked in obedience with God six days prior. And so I said, you, you, I, I, can, I can preach and, and, and we can warfare. And we can worship, but I tell you this, you'll find some sort of a, an effect in your heart and in your spirit. But once you come back home, you're going to go straight back to that wall that's still alive and up in your life. It's still there. And you're going to keep on running into it every single time until you realize to have a walk in obedience with God prior for the shout and the worship and the warfare to be of effect in your life. Walls don't come down without a walk with God. Walls do not come down without a walk in obedience with God. We can worship and we can warfare. And I believe this is a generation that has learned how to praise God, has learned how to dance, has learned how to shout, has learned how to warfare in the spirit. When 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 uh, when the spirit is leading towards, towards that, it, it has learned how to speak in tongues, has learned how to flow in the Holy Ghost, but yet there are not victories in young people's lives because they still have not learned the simple concept of walking with God. There still aren't victories in young people's lives because they still haven't learned the fundamental of walking with God prior. How much more powerful would our services be if, yeah, we worshiped and we warfared in the services, but if we walked with God previously? I, I, I believe we'd, we'd see walls come down. I believe young people would start flowing in their ministries. I believe young people would start stepping into their anointings. But they want, you know, this instantaneous, I got my armor on, I got my sword on, you know, I got my trumpet on, let's go to war, let's bring these, these walls down, let's conquer, let's do all this kind of stuff. And yet the Lord says, I, I understand you are men of war. I understand you know how to work and I understand you know how to praise, but do you know how to walk? Do you know how to walk in obedience with God? Are you willing to continue to walk even though those on the other side of the wall are judging you, criticizing you, telling you, what is this guy doing, making fun of you? Are you willing to continue to walk? The reason why we war and we worship is because we want to see results right away. <clears throat> Is exactly that. We want to have an instantaneous feeling. We we want to want we want to have a microwave answer from God. And so we war and we worship. And when we worship, man, there's energy, right? And who, man, it's getting powerful. Like you know, your exuberant energy and all this kind of stuff. And you feel the presence of God because the Lord moves amongst the worship of His people. And and you feel that, right? You feel that because you want something that's instantaneous. You want something that happens immediately at that very moment. But are you willing to walk with God? Though there I want to jump in there. Go ahead, man. And I want to I want to make a comment on a couple of things that you said. Nothing very long. Then I'll let Joel kind of jump in. Um, basically, just confirmation for the things that you're saying here. 
the word of God was confirmation enough, right? But sometimes it helps to have, have an extra witness. Um, in regards to the Joshua scripture that you used, I was actually just reading that yesterday. Um, and the Lord showed me some things there, different things than what you were describing. But I, you know, you'll sometimes you'll walk away saying, I know there's more here. Um, and you're just waiting on that. This was my more. (laughs) Um, and so that's a little bit of confirmation that what you're saying is of the Lord. And the other thing you were talking about with instantaneous, that's something that I was feeling today in my prayer time. Mm-hmm. Um, because as Pentecostals, we focus very much on miracles and miracles are instantaneous things. We need yeah. those. Those are witnesses uh-huh. to the power of God, but God prefers to work in process. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. what he defaults towards. That's what he likes most of the time. Mm-hmm. There's a purpose and there's a function for miracles, but we expect those too much because it takes a lot of the work away. It takes a lot of the effort away. But God likes to walk with us through things, typically, because that yeah. builds relationship, that builds character. The, the miraculous shows the power and the glory of God. It doesn't so much build character as walking through a storm does. Exactly. Um, so I thought that was very powerful and very thankful that you said the things that you said. Uh, I yeah. think that'll help a lot of people. Yeah. I, th- I think of... Um... You know, when we talk about the flow of the Holy Ghost to us as, as humanity experiencing the flow, it's, it's a spontaneous thing, right? Because we're, it it can catch us by surprise, but because it's spontaneous to us, we don't realize the process that God has in the steps, you know, something that God can be developing for 10 or 20 years that to us seems spontaneous or instantaneous, but he's had a process and and uh, worked it for all that time. But um, I want to, this is kind of, it's cool because this is kind of going along with what we talked about uh, last week, uh, me and Justin, regarding the, like our morning routines and, and just kind of the, this, the practical side of, of walking with God. And so I, I wanted to ask, you know, and get your, your personal uh, sort of a personal look inside of your daily, uh, I guess you could say routine or your daily walk with God and what that looks like for you, whether it's quote unquote, you know, in preparation for ministry, or it's just you walking <laughs> and, and what that looks like for you. Like, you know, is there a difference when you know that you're preparing for ministry or do you just keep a consistency in, in a place of prayer? But but for the sake of, of having like a practical um, application for people, uh, what is your what is your daily walk look like? Yeah, well, um, so I, I've I've come down to this conclusion, um, and um, I know it's it's a, it's a lot about practicality, but uh, I've come I've come down to this conclusion. Uh, I cannot be led of the Spirit if I don't lean on the Spirit. And, um, I, have come, I, you know, God has kind of showed this to me, um, whatever you lean on, that is what's going to lead you. And, um, if you lean on food, for example, it's a, it's a source of nutrition. It's a source of sustainment for your life. If you lean on food, food will lead you every morning 
grab a breakfast burrito, grab this or grab that. It will lead you every afternoon to go to Carl's Jr., In-N-Out, whatever. It will lead you at dinner time to go somewhere else. And that is because you're leaning on that as a source of sustainment, as a source of nutrition. And that which you're leaning on, that's what you're, that's what's going to lead you. That's what's going to lead you. And so I've come to the conclusion that uh, as much as I, and, you know, people can say, you know, hey, you're radical or whatever, but as much as I eat, I want to pray. Simple as that. You know, as much as I eat, I want to pray. I eat three times a day. I'm a pretty big boy. You know, Joel's seen me and in, in, in the room, you know what I mean? So he, he kind of oh, yeah. knows, you know what I mean? I, I can eat, I can eat, I can eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner because my flesh in those moments in time, you know, think about it. If, if, and I want to revolutionize this. If you ate as much as you prayed, how hungry would your, would your flesh be? If you, if you, if you ate as much as you prayed, how much, how much hungry would your flesh be? So let's say you pray an hour a day, you know, you get up at 5 a.m., do your 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. Well, you just ate breakfast in the spirit. There's still lunch and there's still dinner. There's still other areas, you know what I mean? And so I, I've come to the conclusion. I said, well, if I eat three times a day, I should be praying three times a day because I'm not trying to be sustained by just the food that I intake. I'm trying to be sustained by the flow of the Holy Ghost that I'm accessing every time I go into prayer. But we got to understand that the Bible doesn't doesn't just quicken your spirit. It, it quickens your body. Right. You know, that same spirit that um, that uh, rose Jesus from the dead, if it liveth in you, that same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, it will quicken your motor, mortal body. It will quicken your mortal body. And so I've come to this conclusion, you know, I need to be sustained of the Holy Ghost. I need to be sustained of the presence of God. I need to be sustained of that, uh, that source of power, that source of energy um, that is found in the flow of prayer and the flow of, of the Holy Ghost. And so I need to sustain myself with that, you know? And it, I, I, I tell you, it took, it took a couple of days of fasting for me to realize that, you know, for me to completely push back, push past the plate and, um, and come to the conclusion, okay, if I'm going to make this, I need to be completely sustained by the Holy Ghost. I, the Holy Ghost needs to be my source of energy. It needs to be my source of, you know, I've heard this and um, I've heard this concept of fasting. I, I'm kind of getting into fasting here a little bit because um, I've, I've been doing quite a bit, you know, just recently. And, and, and I've understood this method where, you know, Verbal Bean says in, in his book of prayer, he says, you know, you dig ditches. And during fasting, because it's a dry season, you know, all this kind of stuff. And you're digging ditches so that, you know, rain, when the rain falls, you're ha you have something to take a hold of. And I was in this fast and um, it was day two and the Lord and I went to prayer, you know, dragging my feet you know, what I mean? into prayer. And um, and I sat down. And I said, Lord, I'm faithful. Lord, I love you. But I'm just here to let you know I'm here. You know what I mean? I was like, Lord, I just I'm just here to let you know. And God convicted me, man. God like slapped me across my face. And I, I, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm just digging a ditch here with a shovel in the middle of the wilderness. And God spoke to me and said, why don't you dig deeper? And I was like, okay. And I got up and I started walking and I started praying 
and I start getting in the flow of the Holy Ghost. And I never thought I could get in fasting. I never thought I could acquire in fasting. And all of a sudden I dig so deep, I, I struck water. And there was an underground flow of the Holy Ghost that was happening even in the middle of my desert where it wasn't coming from a season that I, I was waiting for after I fasted, but it was something that was flowing underneath my land in the exact moment that I was in. And it was flowing right into my fasting, giving me the energy and the strength to continue to move forward. I tell you this, a lot of the older generation, they can fast long days because they have a lot of mental discipline. You know, they're very mentally disciplined. But us younger people, I don't know, I can't speak for you guys, but I can speak for myself. I do not have mental discipline when it comes to food. Okay, I want to make that sure. I do not have mental discipline when it comes to food. I love food. I love to eat. I love all this kind of stuff. I don't have that mental discipline. So if it was according to mental discipline, I, I, I wouldn't make it. I, I, I just wouldn't make it. And so I, with such a desperation, I go into prayer and I say, God, I need the flow of the Holy Ghost. I need it. I need to tap into the flow of the Holy Ghost because if I don't, my mind is going to run rampant and I'm going to, I'm going to stop this fast and I'm going to go eat. I need the flow of the Holy Ghost. I need the flow to give me my energy. I need the flow of the Holy Ghost to wake me up in the mornings. I need the flow of the Holy Ghost to give me rest at night. I need the flow of the Holy Ghost to give me the energy throughout the day so I can do whatever it is that I need to do. And, and it came to a point, you know, it was day five or day six. And, and I was like, I was, bro, I was alive. I was like quickened. You know what I mean? I was moving. I was going. I was getting sleep. You know how you like, hey, you fast, man. And it's so hard to sleep. It's just, it's the terrible thing, man. Your mind is just rambling, you know, you're all this kind of stuff. But I got in, into such a flow. You know, the Bible says he has given you, he has not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power of love and of a sound mind, self-control, temperance. And I got into such a flow of the Holy Ghost because now my sustainment wasn't food. My sustainment was the spirit. I wasn't being sustained by food. I was being sustained by the spirit and the spirit was now, you know, I, I prayed this prayer and it was funny because I said, Lord, you know, food brings cholesterol, brings saturated fat, brings, <laughs> you know, brings all these calories and stuff, but I'm not eating that right now. I'm getting Holy ghost power. I, I'm being sustained by, by your power. And it's like, I felt boldness, man. And I said, Lord, any, any saturated fat that's in my body, any calories, cholesterol, anything that was added there as, as, as a result of me being sustained by food, let this new source of sustainment and nourishment begin to cleanse my body. Let this new source of the spirit of God that is now given me. And I felt resurrection power. I, you know, imagine you, the body of Jesus in a tomb with no spirit, no, because he gave up the ghost, no spirit no soul he's in hades preaching to the preaching to the angels he's there's no spirit no soul and yet the holy ghost the spirit of god resurrects that body how is he not going to do that for me when i'm starving to death four five six seven eight nine ten days into a fast and i'm leaning on the holy ghost how is that not a spirit of life how is, how is that not a an energy force how is that not something alive within me so i got to the conclusion i can fast long not because of what my mind is capable of doing, 
not because of the limitations or restrictions of my mind, but I can fast long because I'm connected to a source. I'm connected to another. So I'm not here starving to death. My body is not getting weaker. My body is actually getting stronger because the nutrients that were that were being given to me by food and wheat, grain and, and, and bread, it's actually now been transferred. And the Holy Ghost is now giving me those nutrients. The Holy Ghost is now giving me that that sustainment. That's why these men of God, Moses went on a 40 day fast with no water and no food. If that's not the presence of God giving you this sustainment in your body, I don't know what is. And think about it. Listen, listen to this. Moses never did it for the days. He was just on a journey. That's so true. He never did it for the days. When you do it for the days, just so that you can number it at the end, mark it off a calendar and say, hey, I did 25 days. Hey, I did 30 days. Hey, I did 35 days. That's something that your mentality is not producing. And you're trying to force your mentality to say, let me go as long as possible so I can have a a source of credibility. Let me go as long as possible so I can have some weight in my words when I talk about fasting. But when it came to these men that did 40-day fast, they never did it for the days. They did it for the journey. Elijah, that fasted 40 days, the angel brought him up and said, you need to go on a journey. So I've stopped categorizing fasting by days. And I've categorizing fasting by have i reached my destination i'm I'm on this journey right now with the lord i'm not trying to say oh i'm I'm pushing through it you know so i can you know 15 days i'm pushing it through it so i can do all this kind of stuff no i'm i'm connected to the flow I, i my my sustainment is coming from the spirit of god and i'm going and i'm taking this journey i'm walking with god He's going to show me something. He's going to take me somewhere. He's going to redefine my thinking, my mentality. And so my, my idea of fasting has changed. Though if the Lord asks me to do a certain amount of days, I've, I'm obviously going to do those amount of days. But I don't see it by day by day. I see it by a journey that I'm taking with the Lord. The Lord is teaching me things. The Lord's talking to me about things. And, and so um, I, I would just advise for those that are feeling to go on a fast, I, I pray that you you find the flow in prayer before you ever try to find the flow in a fast. You know, you you have to find that flow in prayer uh, when you're tapping into the Holy Ghost. You know, I, I have this this mentality in Bible college: one hour a day, right? Five a.m. to six a.m. We're good. That's all right, you know. But I, I, I've I've transitioned where that moment where my flesh is used to an hour. And after that hour is done, my flesh says, all right, you're done. You did your hour, check it off your list. I There's something that enters into my body and I, I continue to move forward. And I say, no, I need to get in the flow of the Holy Ghost. And I get into the flow and it feels like 20 minutes, but it's like three hours. It, it feels like 10 minutes, but it's like, dude, it's like four or five hours that I'm, I'm in the presence of the Lord. And I always thought it, it took mental strength. Or I always thought it took this mental focus that only Pastor Nathaniel Haney has to pray five to six hours a day. But it's just because he gets in the flow. That it all comes down to that. You want to pray That's long? It. You know what I mean? You want to pray long? Don't don't try to just facilitate it through your mind. All that energy you're using to try to make it happen, use that energy to find the flow. And when you find the flow, it'll do it for you. It'll take you. 
it, it'll flow through you. It'll it, it's it'll take you to the places you need to go. And after you're done, you're not done because the time clock says you're done. You're done because God says, all right, this is where this is not that the flow stops, but this is where you 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 kind of just start transitioning elsewhere. I come to the conclusion when I get into prayer, the only way I'm leaving prayer is when I flow out. That's it. That's it. I, I can't, I've came to the conclusion in my mind when I get into prayer, when I get into the sanctuary, the only way I'm getting out of the sanctuary is if the Holy ghost flows me out. I never want to get out of the flow, man. I never want to get out of the flow of the Holy ghost because of a time or because of a time punch or a clock or something like that. But if I, if I am to leave the sanctuary, I want to flow out in the spirit out of the sanctuary and him take me somewhere else, do something, whatever it is that needs to happen. So those things have kind of, you know, transitioned in my life. And, and so I, I, I've come to that conclusion specifically uh, when it comes to this, you know, in the mornings, I need to search God. I need to get in the flow of the Holy Ghost. I need to surrender. My mornings are to surrender. Uh, I, I've heard people say it's kingdom prayer and it's all this kind of stuff. For me, mornings are for me, me and God. You know, that's when God has given me commands. God has given me orders. God has given me structure for the day. God is just allowing me, you know, kind of giving me the plan for today. And so I'm, I'm in that flow. I'm in that flow. And I'm in my mornings, I'm surrendering my day. I'm acknowledging my day unto the Lord and he shall direct my, my paths. Uh, I, I am just surrendering everything unto him so I can get in the flow of the Holy ghost. I go back in the afternoon and that's when the Lord starts flowing in intercession. The Lord starts flowing in different other veins and channels. And towards the nighttime, God just starts, you know, starts uh that flow now starts leading me towards the body starts leading me towards different members of the body you know different things like that but the mornings are specifically me and god and me to be sub uh, uh, subjected me to be submitted to the will of god and to the purpose of god for that exact day and then from there on it's just an extension of my surrender that's pretty much it everything that happens after that is because i decided to surrender unto god the only credit i give to myself for anything is that I made the decision to surrender to God and he did the rest. That's good. I agree. Um, you mentioned too, Pastor Haney and how he can, how he can pray for all these hours in a day. And I remember his, uh, I, I believe we used it for theology of prayer class. Uh -huh. One of his teachings, you know, about, I think it was kind of the theme of it was how to spend a whole day in prayer and he talked about his principle that I that I love and I've I've incorporated into my life and how he called it the river principle. Yeah. That he he mm -hmm. kind of came to him from the Lord as he was walking along a river up by Yosemite, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think what we're talking about today, like maybe the maybe the more mundane uh, flow. Uh, a lot of times, at least for me, when I've talked about the flow, I think of the the whitewater rapids, you know, the yeah. quick flow, yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah. the flow still needs to be going when it's slow. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, and so I think, I think what we're talking about and what, what makes it sustainable, a sustainable flow is, is when you're in those slow times when you don't really feel anything, but you know that you're still walking with God. And, and that was what Pastor Haney talked about is, a river, it's the same amount of water, same amount of Holy Ghost when it widens out and gets slow, but it gets deeper. It's the same yeah. amount of water as when it gets narrow and then starts moving fast and 
things start happening and and you realize the effects of it more in the moment but it's it's definitely those those wide river moments the the deep moments that yeah. sustain we, we us we need to learn how to how to linger God. man we need to learn that's, how to carry yeah. yeah that's that's one thing man it's is, is that you know we're our mind is just out there thinking things you know distractions and different things like that we need to learn how to tarry and how to linger you know what i mean especially in those wide moments you know as you're tarrying and as you're lingering it's like there's something god's preparing you for something god's either either talking to you or 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 god's leading you to somewhere but you know it's if you're always wanting like i i i consider these christians to be a hundred mile per hour christians that they're yeah. always, man, boom, let's go, let's go, let's do this, let's do this, you know, and, and they're so energetic, you know what I mean? And they're so optimistic, man, they're very optimistic, but yet that's not faith, you know, because faith is necessarily something that, you know, it, it, it's in the linger, it's in the tearing as well. And not, not, yeah. not many emotions are riled up and right. not, not, not many, not many things are going on in your life. And yet you're still tearing and, and lingering with the Lord. And knowing that though you're getting somewhere and it's slow, you're still getting somewhere. You know, I've come to that conclusion. I, I'm not, it, it's it, a river never stops. And if it stops, it's because right. man got his, got his hands on it. Man developed a dam in order to stop the flow of the Holy Ghost. You know, if the Holy Ghost and the river is stopping, it's because man is in the way and there's something that's quenching the spirit. But if you have completely surrendered unto God, there's no stopping the flow. Whether it gets slow, right. whether it gets fast, whether it gets deep, whether it gets wide, you're still getting somewhere. And though it's slow, you're still get, getting somewhere. But you're deciding to linger with God and carry with God in order for that change or shifting to happen in that moment. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, I, ju- I just want to share the scripture that's kind of the it's kind of like the foundational scripture for even this whole podcast, but fits in with this episode and. Um, I know some people are like, okay, where's your, where's your Bible for, for all of this? And so here it is for anyone maybe wondering that. So it's, uh, John chapter seven and, uh, verse, verse 38, Jesus is speaking to the, to the woman. Um, I believe he's speaking to the woman at the well here, but he says, he that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water and this he spake of the spirit, which they that believe on him should receive for at that, at that time, the Holy ghost had not yet been given. Um, but I think it's, man, it's so crucial that we allow those rivers and channels of the Holy ghost to flow out of us and to remove, um, to remove any hindrances that, uh, that would inhibit the flow. So, yeah, it, uh, it's, it's crazy. Cause, uh, you know, the Bible also states that, um, Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost was led by the spirit into the wilderness. So this kind of, kind of gives us an understanding that, you know, being full of the Holy Ghost will put you in a position for you to be led of the spirit into different places. You know what I mean? If you're not full of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost may be inside of you, but when it comes to, when, when it, when it's talking about being full of the Holy Ghost, that means the Holy Ghost has you entirely. Right. You are completely surrendered to the Holy Ghost. Not that not that the Holy Ghost just lives inside of you and it's being quenched by your will and your desires and your fleshly appetites, but that you have given yourself over. You are full of the Holy Ghost. The entire vessel is full 
of the substance that's inside of it. And that the, the indicator that you're full of the Holy Ghost is that you're being led of the Spirit. It's, and so you being led of the Spirit is your indicator that, you're, that the Holy Ghost has you completely from head to toe. And so I, I want to get to a point, man, where the Holy Ghost leads me into some wildernesses. You know what I mean? The Holy Ghost leads me into some dry places. You know, the Holy Ghost leads me into, into being tempted by the devil, you know, into different areas, you know. And so uh, that's the indicator that you are being led of the Spirit or that you are full of the Holy Ghost. Um, I, I don't believe everyone that has the Holy Ghost is full of the Holy Ghost. I, I don't believe that. I don't believe everybody that has the Holy Ghost is full of the Holy Ghost. I believe in order for you to be full of the Holy Ghost, there needs to be a daily sacrifice of your will and your flesh and you giving more over to the Holy Ghost. And the more you give over to the Holy Ghost, the more the Holy Ghost has you and it's full and it's, you know, fulfilling itself in your life, leading you in the spirit, in your walk and in the way that you go. And so that that's an interesting topic, man, is that everybody that, you know, has the Holy Ghost are not necessarily full of the Holy Ghost because a lot of them are not being led of right. the Holy Ghost. And an important piggyback off of that, the scripture says that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Yes. You can receive the Holy Ghost and be baptized uh -huh. in his name, but not walk in sonship. Yep. We, ha we have, all of us after receiving the Holy Ghost and being baptized have the potential to walk mm -hmm. as sons of God, but mm -hmm. not everybody is walking as a son of God after receiving mm -hmm. salvation. It takes discipleship and instruction yeah. and teaching. This is how, okay, now you're you're an infant in the spirit. Now I have to feed you the word of God and feed you, um, and you will be fed by the Lord through um, the, the uh, working of the Holy Ghost and through the anointing and ministry and things of that nature. But then you learn to kind of walk, right? You mm -hmm. start out crawling and we have to help you. Then you learn to walk and that's where that walk starts to come in. Um, and you begin to walk in our led of the Holy Ghost and you are walking then in sonship as Christ did. He said, uh, it says in first John, I think that, uh, those that claim, uh, I don't remember the exact wording, but it essentially says those that claim to be, um, children of God ought to walk as he walked. How did Christ mm -hmm. walked? Every step was guided by the father. He didn't take a step. He didn't say a word without it being under the authority of the father. Yeah. Um, so that is sonship, and that's what we should all be striving to walk in as fully grown Christians. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that, that's being that's being one with God. I, I, and, yes. and that's why, Justin, man, you need to listen to that message from Brother Sanders on Friday, man. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> he, he talks about that, of that prayer uh, Jesus was saying in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he's talking about, and we, we've kind of misinterpreted the scripture, uh, the prayer that says, you know, Father, I pray that they are one. And and we, we think of it as unity, as, you know, all of us, let's be one together and let's, let's unify. But actually, he's talking about a oneness with God in which he says, like I am in like I am in them and you are in me. So Jesus was a physical representation of the place we should be and we should strive for in a relationship with God where we are one with God. You know, it, it's, it's crazy because the word says, um, you know, uh, draw nigh unto the Lord and the Lord shall draw nigh unto you or draw nigh unto God and God shall draw nigh unto you. I, I was, I was kind of just uh, intrigued by this scripture and this, and this kind of scripture. And it's like, you're getting closer to God, right? And God's getting closer to you. 
that's that's nearing a collision, right? That's that's nearing a crash course, and and it's like something's about to collide against each other, and uh, and I, I was just praying and I said, Lord, you know, I want to draw nigh unto you, and I want you to draw nigh unto me. But when that meeting and that encounter happens. I don't want my pride, my will, my satisfactions, my identity, who I think I am, who I think to clash with your identity. It's like either the rock falls on you or you fall on the rock. You know what I mean? Either you fall on the rock of sacrifice and of, you know, surrendering your will to God or the rock is going to come and it's going to break you. So a lot of people are drawn nigh unto God and they want God to draw nigh unto them, but they, they don't want that union. They don't want that oneness with God in which they lose themselves, lose control over themselves and allow God to physically live in them, live through them. I no longer live, but Christ now liveth in me. And so it's it's crazy, Justin, that you're talking about this concept, because I'm thinking it's like kind of going in this direction of being one with God, especially in ministry. You know, a man of God comes to Eli and prophesies this demise in first Samuel chapter two prophesies this demise of the house of Eli. And he says, I will raise up a faithful priest that will do according to what's in my heart and according to what's in my mind. So I, I, I've, you know, gotten that scripture and, and I've, I've came to the realization that that's a place where God wants ministry to be in today, where they do according to what's in God's mind and what's in God's heart. And I was talking to Joel about this. I said, a lot of preachers, all they want to do is hear the voice of God and be close to God in order to hear when he speaks, but they don't want to be one with God in order to know his thoughts and know his heart. So, you know, I consecrate, I fast, I pray, and I, and I, and I do all this kind of stuff. I wake up and I sacrifice unto the Lord so I can get close enough to God to hear his voice when he speaks but I'm not willing to go a step further and put my flesh on an altar, my identity, who I am, my lifestyle on an altar in order for me and God to be one. And now I can know the thoughts and the intents of the Lord. And, that, and that's the thing. You, like, I can only know certain things about you by what you say and what you speak. But with my wife, and you guys understand this pretty soon. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Come on, come on. You know, with my wife, I've learned a sense of intimacy with her that I'm kind of picking up a little bit what she's thinking and, and what she's feeling. You know what I mean? Her face and her mouth can be saying, oh, nothing's wrong. But her mind is going 100 miles per hour saying, you did this, 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 this. I'm mad at you. I'm mad at you. I'm mad at you. So there's this level of intimacy that I have with my wife that I now know what she's thinking and I know what she's feeling just by the way that she, it, by the, by the, by just the countenance of her and she doesn't have to say a word. And I already know, man, she's mad. She's upset. You know, she's all this kind of stuff. I already know. And so when it comes to ministry, God wants such an intimacy with those that are ministering in his kingdom. That he wants us to understand his thoughts and understand his heart to such a greater level. I don't want to just get close to God to hear his voice so I can repeat it to a congregation. I want to know the origin of this voice. 
I want to know what are the thoughts that are coming up with this voice and this word from God. I want to know what the intentions of God is. And that's where Elijah got to, to the point where he spoke on God's behalf without God speaking him to say those specific words. He goes to the, to the Seraphith woman and he prophesies to her saying, thus saith the Lord, they will not, there will not be a shortage of meal in your barrel and of oil in your flask. And you read the context of that scripture. God never told him to say that. God never spoke to him and said, you shall tell this woman that, that so and so it's going to happen. And yet he said, thus saith the Lord. He spoke on God's behalf because he knew not only what he can hear from God's voice, but he knew what God was thinking and he knew God's intentions. That's why he brings the people of God to Mount Carmel and asks the Lord to bring down fire because God spoke to him and said, rain is coming. I'm about to fall rain upon the land. But Elijah knew, hey, if rain comes upon the land, they're going to blame it on Baal. They're going to give Baal the worship. They're going to give Baal, you know, the credit. So I need to prove to the people of God because this is the heartbeat of God. This is the reason why God shut the heavens and the earth. This is the reason why God did not allow rain to come upon the land. I know the intention of God, and it's to bring his people back to him, that I'm going to call his people to Mount Carmel, and I'm going to show them that something that's not naturally fallen from heaven is going to fall at the command of the, of the name of the Lord. I'm going to show them that whoever's in control of the, of, the, of the heavens and of the clouds, it's God. And so he does this without an exact order from the Lord. You read it in scripture. God never tells him to go to Mount Carmel and bring down fire from heaven. God never tells him to reunite the people. God never tells him to call the prophets of Baal. But yet he knows the intention of God and he knows the thoughts of God that he is willing to bring down fire from heaven at the sound of a prayer unto the Lord. That's, that's like such synchronization, man. That's, that's being such in tune with God that you get to call down fire from heaven and God never told you he was going to do it. You get to prophesy to this woman about her meal and, and her oil, and yet God never spoke to you a word. And yet you can speak on God's behalf because you and God have become one. There's this union and this oneness between Elijah and the Lord where Elijah can now speak on the behalf of God and God fulfill his word because it's not contrary to what he's thinking and it's not contrary to what he is feeling, but it's right in the flow of his thoughts and his heart. The Bible says his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways as the heaven is above the earth. I've come to the conclusion, man, I want to be so one with God that I don't, I, I don't want to just repeat what he spoke to me in prayer. I want in that exact moment to understand and know what he's thinking in that service, what he's feeling in that service, you know, because there's a lot of people, they get words from God and they go behind the pulpit and it's a word from God, but yet there's no, there's no flow of the Holy Ghost. There's no, because you, you repeated exactly what you heard in prayer and you got as close as possible to God. But in that exact moment, there was no, intentions of God. There was no thought process of God. Hey, this is what I'm planning. This is what I'm doing. And so we got to get to such a oneness with God and such a union with God that I know what he's thinking and I know what he's feeling. And he doesn't even have to say a word. I don't it reminds know me of sense. a couple. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Go ahead. 
That reminds me of a couple of things. One, one of the first things the Lord ever showed me when I first got into the church was I was reading Acts. And um, when it says they were filled with the Holy Ghost, I read that in the Amplified Bible. And the way that they uh, render that, at least in the old one, there's a newer version now. I don't know what they say in that one, but um, it says they were filled. And in the parentheses, it says diffused throughout their souls. And diffusion is oneness. So you pour your, you, you put the tea bag in your cup and you pour mm-hmm. the boiling water over it. That is diffusing into the water. It's becoming wow. one. Wow. So we, I learned very early on, I didn't understand yet, but the Lord began to deal with me on that principle that when we are filled with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost is not just inside of us like somebody would dwell within a house. That principle is used as well, but it goes deeper than that. And it's yeah. it's difficult for us to fathom that as flawed, limited human beings in this holy God. But then you have to understand propitiation and what the blood does in us and things like that to understand that God has made a way that he could not only dwell within his people and not only have a very intimate relationship with his people, but that it actually gets to the point that there is a oneness, that he becomes a part of us and us a part of him. That's exactly what Christ was saying. That's his desire. That's the father's desire. Uh, It also reminds me of something Brother Dobbs said. We we talk about him a lot, quote him and things. He was my first apostolic pastor, so I learned very much from him. But um, I was talking to him one time about the, uh, the office of the prophet, and he said many times the preacher will repeat what God says. He will um, speak according to the voice of God. The prophet becomes the voice of God. Yeah. That's why those prophets in the Old Testament were able to do that. They didn't yeah. hear from the Lord because the active voice of God is literally flowing within them. Like it yeah. became a part of them. Yeah. Uh, that was their function. Like they were the mouthpiece of God. We say that, let, let me be your mouthpiece and things. But like if anybody, if you could learn from anybody how to walk, <laughs> you can look yeah. at the Old Testament prophets. Yeah. Um, and of course, folks in the New Testament too. But you can learn quite a bit from the Old Testament prophets. So that's a really, really powerful point. This has been a very good podcast. <laughs> we went very deep here. I very much enjoyed this. Yes, agreed. Um, yeah, I'm thankful for everything that was said today um and i mean as 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 usual i encourage anyone listening to um you know i shared one scripture but encourage anyone listening to uh go for yourself to the scriptures to the word of god me and me and justin uh in the last episode talked a little bit about the importance of the word of god mm-hmm. and uh so don't don't just take our word for it and uh be inspired but go with the inspiration to the word of god and then let it be rooted and, and planted in you and uh, prove whether or not what we're saying is is true yes, and accurate. Let it be witness. Let it be a witness. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. So uh, just once again, I want to thank you, uh, David, for, for joining us. Um, I know we could we could probably talk for another hour at least, but for the sake <laughs> of the, the listeners here, we'll probably um, cut the recording at least uh, at, this, at this point. But want to just thank you once again for making the time to join us here on the the flow podcast uh, <laughs> any uh, any love, closing comments you want to you want to share well man I, I love you guys dearly um i do appreciate uh what you guys are doing the content you guys are releasing um definitely i i, I just gotten 
the Spotify podcast just not too long ago. And, um, you know, there's, uh, there's just so much to be shared, so much to be connected with, with other people. And I'm, I just want to, you know, just tell everybody out there, this is like, this is something that's going to bring nutrition to your soul, to your spirit. And, um, and God is definitely going to use this as a mouthpiece and, and flow is going to come out of this flow of the spirit is going to come out of this to those that are listening. And hopefully this will be something that will instruct them, something that will ground them, um, even to some, something that will kind of convict them of things they should be doing, but they're not doing, um, mm-hmm. ways of life that they should be living and how prosperous spiritually and how purposeful this way of lifestyle is, right. uh, instead of, you know, just, you know, doing it through other manners and other ways, you know, it's, it's all by the Holy ghost. It's all by the spirit of God. Right that is helping us today. And so uh, I just pray this be uh, something encouraging to those young people that are watching or listening through this podcast. And I want to encourage you guys to keep going. You know, God's going to give you guys words. God's going to flow through you guys individually. And, um, and whether you know it or not, or you get feedback or not, uh, you can feel in the Holy ghost, how this is influencing somebody that uh that is going through a certain situation and god gives you a word for that specific person even though this may be pre-recorded and i believe god has orchestrated this and ordered the steps mm-hmm. of those that are here and uh just want to encourage you guys to keep going you know you guys are doing a wonderful job uh i listened to your guys last podcast it was powerful it was awesome and um it was definitely beneficial for my life and so uh, i know a lot of young people are also going to feel the same so thank you guys again for having me, man. And, you know, I really appreciate being on here and, and um, being able to share a little bit of what the Lord's doing in my life. Sure. Absolutely. So uh, w- once again, thank you to everyone as well who's listening. And uh, go, if, if you don't already, go and uh, give Brother, Brother Puentes a follow high five oh, whatever no. <laughs> no, no, there's no he doesn't have any rap on on spotify like, like our <laughs> yeah, co-host, I, but, I don't i'm sorry but you could probably yes, find dude. some uh some good old videos of him on on youtube so no, no, go find no. those and send them into the uh to the flow podcast so we have some some good material for it. <laughs>